Hello. Welcome to the Myths and History of Greece and Rome. Chapter 72, The Empire at Peace. Trajan hadn't really bothered with thoughts of succession, but Hadrian was obsessed by it, and he had found someone he wanted to rule the empire in the future. Unfortunately, there was a big problem. In 135, when Hadrian's health was bad and he thought he was about to die, this clever, studious and hard-working boy was only 15 years old. Still, Hadrian had decided the rules of the empire didn't apply to this boy and had given him important jobs long before he was old enough. He was made a priest of the Salian order when he was just eight years old. Hadrian entrusted the education of the boy to Fronto, one of the best teachers of the day. The boy's name was Marcus Annius Verus, although history knows him by another name. We will see how he comes by this name later in the chapter. The emperor, though, knew that young emperors didn't really do a good job. We all remember Caligula and Nero. If the young man he identified as an imperial successor was going to get the top job when he was ready, then there would have to be an interim plan. Hadrian, planner extraordinaire, had a great interim plan. Unfortunately for the master planner, Hadrian also had some real relatives, including a nephew, Fuscus, who might fancy the job. Hadrian, though, had already decided this youth was no good, and he had no intention of promoting his claim to the imperial throne. Fuscus's grandfather, Servianus, had a bit of a grudge against Hadrian anyway. He had thought he had the chance of becoming emperor after Trajan. Servianus was very angry that Hadrian was not going to choose Fuscus, and he made his views known. Hadrian's actual choice of successor was a touch strange. He formally adopted a senator called Lucius Caonius Commodus and named him Caesar. Lucius was often ill and wasn't expected to live too long, but maybe this was part of clever old Hadrian's plan. Perhaps he was trying to ensure the young man who he really wanted to get the job wouldn't have to wait too long. He arranged for Marcus Annius Verus to become engaged to be married to Lucius's daughter and so be the one to wear the purple after Lucius. Fuscus and Servianus were furious, and Fuscus plotted to kill the emperor. Hadrian found out about the plot, and made both of them commit suicide. The senate didn't mind that Fuscus had been made to die, as he was behind the plot, but they were not happy about making a 90-year-old man like Servianus kill himself. Servianus did as he was told, but before he died he cursed Hadrian, saying, May Hadrian long for death, but may he be unable to die. The best laid schemes of mice and men and Hadrian often go awry. Hadrian's complicated plan didn't work. Soon after being named Caesar, Lucius Caonius Commodus died. What was Hadrian going to do now? Well, we all know how clever he was, and he seemed to have a plan B already up his sleeve. Anyway, he quickly came to another decision. He adopted a handsome, clever and well-loved senator named Titus Aurelius Fulvus Boionius Arius Antoninus. Hadrian made two conditions to naming Antoninus as his successor. He had to adopt the clever, studious Marcus Annius Verus we talked about earlier, and also Lucius Caonius's Commodus's son, who was also called Lucius. Thus Hadrian had set up the next 42 years of the empire, but not quite as he wanted it. Antoninus was 51 years old when he became emperor, and so wouldn't be expected to live more than another 10 years or so, whereupon Hadrian's real choice, the studious boy history knows as Marcus Aurelius, would become emperor. Antoninus, though, lived for ages. Antoninus was born near Rome in September 86 AD. 
His family had fought for Otho during the year of the four emperors, but switched to Vespasian once Otho had been defeated by Vitellius. His grandfather and father served as consuls under Domitian. Antoninus became a senator and served as consul. He married Faustina, a relative of Hadrian. Antoninus was very surprised to be named Caesar, and it took him a few days to accept the honour. Hadrian recovered from his illness, but poor health dogged him for the rest of his time in office. Late in his long reign, Hadrian retreated into his villa and refused visitors. He became very ill, but just like the curse from Servianus, he didn't die. He tried many times to kill himself and tried to get others to kill him. Nobody would do it, and eventually Antoninus managed to convince him to stop trying and bear his pain. Hadrian wrote to Antoninus apologising for his efforts and saying he would do his best to carry on. Hadrian became more and more ill and more and more grumpy, possibly more grumpy even than Tiberius, as he lived out his last few months. He did not want people to see him, and eventually only his slaves and his adopted son Antoninus were allowed to see the emperor. Eventually, on the 10th of July, 138, Hadrian died in his villa. He was 62 years old, and he had ruled the empire for 21 glorious and peaceful years. Hadrian was a great and often good man, very energetic and wise, who only wanted to do what was right for the empire. But he was also quite annoying and thought he knew everything. One day, a famous philosopher argued with Hadrian, and although he was right, he eventually gave in to the emperor. The philosopher's friends asked him why he had allowed Hadrian to win when the emperor was so obviously in the wrong. The philosopher replied, I have lost because the cleverest man alive is the one who commands 30 legions. Hadrian would probably have liked this. Hadrian had done more than any previous emperor since Augustus to stamp his name on the empire, and it is because of his many achievements and buildings that still stand today that we know so much about him. So, Hadrian, third of the five good emperors, died knowing he had ruled well and made sure the next two emperors would do so for 42 more glorious years. Antoninus was 51 when he assumed office. He was a mature and experienced senator and had served as proconsul of the province of Asia before being appointed by Hadrian as one of the four circuit judges who administered the law in Italy. He was known to be calm, fair and statesmanlike, all qualities which he demonstrated in abundance when he became emperor. So, we've said goodbye to Hadrian, one of the empire's most interesting rulers who tried to improve everything. Now we are about to say hello to one who is the exact opposite. Hadrian wanted to change things and improve things. Antoninus just wanted to keep things the way they were. But keeping things as they were was no bad thing. Hadrian had left the empire well defended and strong. Everyone knew where the borders were, including the barbarians. The legions were strong and the empire was at peace. Antoninus became Emperor of Rome on Hadrian's death without any discontent. The Senate was delighted, as Antoninus really was one of them, the first time this had been the case since the brief reign of Nerva. Antoninus, though, came into conflict with his former colleagues early in his reign, because the senators refused to make Hadrian a god, as they had Nerva and Trajan. Antoninus handled it beautifully. If you don't make Hadrian a god, then you must disagree with all of his decisions, including his choice of successor, he informed the Senate. That's fine. If you don't want me to reign, I will gladly let you choose somebody else. The Senate immediately agreed to make Hadrian a god. They didn't want a civil war, which is probably what they would have got if Antoninus resigned. 
It is for this that Antoninus got the nickname Pius, which means dutiful in Latin. It's by this name, Antoninus Pius, that he is known to history. Antoninus cancelled all of the death warrants from Hadrian's last grumpy days. He also completed the unfinished mausoleum of Hadrian and had the dead emperor buried in it. The mausoleum still stands in Rome today. It's now called the Castel Sant'Angelo. The building was later used by some of the popes as a fortress and a castle and is now a museum. It stands on the banks of the Tiber and is one of Rome's most iconic landmarks. It is well worth a visit. Antoninus Pius set out to rule the empire his way, which was not Hadrian's way. He ruled almost entirely by writing letters. He wrote letters to the provincial governors advising them and giving them orders. He made sure that good, honest men were in place in every important job and left them to do their jobs well, corresponding with them only when necessary. He even wrote a letter to the Parthian king Volagarses, who was starting to raid the empire, saying that any expansion into Roman territory would not be taken lightly. The Parthians took notice of this threat and did not invade. Antoninus was the last emperor who was a true Roman nobleman. His world view was almost entirely at odds with that of his predecessor. Hadrian thought that he was the centre of the empire. Antoninus considered that Rome was the centre of the realm and that Roman and other Italian people should hold the top jobs. In 23 years on the throne, he never left Italy and he rarely travelled more than 50 miles from Rome itself. There was one area of government, though, where Antoninus Pius agreed completely with Hadrian, and that was his border policy. Instead of waging wars, Antoninus made agreements with local client kings, kings from just outside the empire, paid by the Romans to keep the borders safe. There was a little unrest during his reign, but the small revolts were put down with ease. The only major conflict was in the far-away Britannia, where the local Scots were raiding Roman territory. Antoninus had a new wall built 40 miles north of Hadrian's Wall, which is now called the Antonine Wall. The main changes that took place in the empire during Antoninus's reign were in the laws of the empire. He was a just and compassionate man and made new rules that protected the rights of slaves. Before his reign, slaves were seen as not human. You could do what you liked with them, tease them, torture them, hit them, kick them, even kill them. Antoninus made murdering slaves a crime. This may sound obvious to us, but slave killing being illegal was almost revolutionary in 2nd century Rome. He held only two treason trials during his reign, and these were carried out fairly and nobody was executed. Antoninus Pius was a very, very rich man. He didn't like spending the empire's money, but he was happy to spend his own. Whenever there was a disaster, he paid much of the money required to fix things out of his own pocket. A very important event happened in Rome in 148 AD. The Eternal City reached the 900th anniversary of its legendary foundation. Magnificent games and entertainments were thrown to celebrate this event. They were every bit as wonderful as the games thrown a hundred years earlier by Claudius to celebrate the 800th anniversary. Spectacular parties would also be thrown by the Emperor Philip the Arab to celebrate the 1000th anniversary in 248 but by this time, the Roman Empire would be deep in its age of crisis. Antoninus Pius reigned peacefully, fairly and justly for 23 years. During this time, his adopted son Marcus was always at his side, learning about how to govern an empire. His other adopted son, Lucius, on the other hand, preferred chariot racing, drinking and gambling, and it was clear that Antoninus had placed all of his eggs in one basket when it came to training the next generation. 
It was also clear that Marcus was going to be the next emperor, and he married Antoninus's daughter, Faustina. They would end up having eight sons and six daughters. Only one son survived to outlive his father, and we will learn a lot more about him in chapter 74. Antoninus Pius died on the 7th of March, 161, aged 74. He had reigned for longer than any other emperor except Augustus. He was loved by all. His biographer wrote, Almost alone among the emperors, he lived without spilling the blood of either friend or foe. Antoninus was buried in Hadrian's mausoleum, along with his beloved wife Faustina. The reign of Antoninus Pius has been seen as the high point of the Roman Empire. Rome was peaceful, prosperous and cultured, and ruled by a benign, sensible, hard-working and generous man. Edward Gibbon, in his Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, declared the time of the five good emperors was the time when the human race was at its most happy and prosperous. Antoninus Pius is the poster boy of this era. Later historians have questioned whether this golden time was really so rosy. It's become a little clearer that not much moved forward during his reign. The increased bureaucracy which would cause problems down the line was already apparent. For the succession, though, Rome was again lucky. There was no arguing about who would be next. Everyone knew that Marcus would be emperor. Hadrian had planned it and Antoninus had made sure it would happen. On his accession, he took the name Marcus Aurelius Antoninus Augustus. He had been taught by his adoptive father everything about governing and the father and son were very close and very fond of each other. Everywhere Antoninus had gone, Marcus had gone with him. Unfortunately, there was one major drawback with this arrangement. Antoninus never went anywhere. Marcus learned about governing and administration, but he'd never seen a war, a battle or even a legion. The provinces were a mystery to him. Marcus Aurelius was duly pronounced emperor by the Senate. He was a serious, clever, studious and dutiful man, and he would take his responsibilities as emperor seriously. However, the first thing he did made everyone sit up and say, Eh? What's going on here then? The Senate was just preparing a proclamation announcing his succession, when Marcus did something quite amazing. He insisted that his party-loving stepbrother be made co-emperor. The Senate was stunned, and the people wondered if Marcus had gone mad. But Marcus insisted that Hadrian had meant this to happen, and so Lucius Aelius Aurelius Commodus became Lucius Aurelius Verus Augustus. We now know him as Lucius Verus. Marcus had been born on April the 26th, 121, and Lucius on the 15th of December, 130, so they were 39 and 30 years old when they came to power. Legend has it that Marcus was descended from Pompey the Great, but this is probably just a nice story. So, for the first time, Rome had two emperors at the same time. Later in its history, Rome would often have more than one emperor, but it was new to the people in 161. It was clear to all, though, that Marcus was the senior emperor. Lucius had power over everyone in the empire, except Marcus. Perhaps Marcus wanted to make sure that he would have time to study, read books and enjoy his philosophy, and so that's why he decided to share power. Lucius was much more interested in partying and supporting the green team at the chariot races, so maybe they would both have time for their other interests. The Senate agreed, and together Marcus Aurelius and Lucius Verus went to the Praetorian Guard, and Lucius made a speech in which he promised them the largest donative ever. The Guard knew that neither man had ever led soldiers, and Marcus and Lucius needed to ensure the men would support them. The Guards cheered and loudly applauded their new masters, 
pocketing the cash as they clapped. So the joint reign of Marcus Aurelius and Lucius Verus got off to the perfect start. The empire was at peace, the new emperors were supported by everyone and the Roman people were happy, satisfied and expecting many more years of peaceful prosperity. Unfortunately, the whole of the rest of the reign of the two emperors and that of Marcus after Lucius's death was a long line of floods, famine, war, plague and disasters. If ever the empire needed an emperor who was strong, fair, compassionate and hard-working, they needed one now. It was lucky for them that Marcus Aurelius, the last of the five good emperors, was all of these things, and much, much more. Next time, we'll find out how Marcus and Lucius get on battling the disasters. If you'd like to give me any feedback, or just ask questions, then you can contact me by email mythandhistory at gmail.com or you can friend me on Facebook Paul Vincent Myth and History Also, please head on down to the website for the podcast www.mythandhistory.podbean.com So, have a great couple of weeks and I'll speak to you next time.